2: Connect
3: to more. It's new now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: great afternoon, evening. You listen to Juanes now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. You're going to be getting a full dose of me. We've already been rolling for an hour here on this show, Got an hour left we also going to roll right into the Missoula Paddleheads doubleheader tonight at Ogden Park Allegiance Field against the Idaho Falls Chuckers. And I'm going to head down the stadium here in about 20 minutes and be on the call for the color commentary as well. Jeff Safford, voice of the Paddleheads, be bringing you a play-by-play, so that should be very fun. Missed anything in the first hour of the show. We are heard from Carolyn, our resident chick who does know sports, talking all about Alex Rodriguez's new concealer. I did not even know what concealer is, but Carolyn always... Swings by and gives us a good laugh. Also give you updates from state softball from across the state. Also some uh, news from earlier today. Sarah Pfeiffer, the new girls basketball coach at Missoula Sentinel. So she, she takes over for Karen Deeden. And uh, also just a couple other highlights of athletes doing great things around the state of Montana, including future Lady Grizz, Danny Barsh, being named the Montana girls basketball Gatorade Player of the Year earlier today. If you want to find anything from the first hour, you can find it on the podcast podcast available on all your various podcast hosting platforms. It's proudly presented by the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, Blackfoot Communications, and Sportsbet Montana. Happy now to welcome in Jace Henderson, former Lady Grizz, and now new Missoula Big Sky girls basketball coach. Jace, we haven't seen you in a while. How you been? I've been really good,
2: Coulter. Thanks for having me. Of
0: course. So let's start with the here and now. The news, uh, a couple weeks old, I guess, maybe, maybe a week or two old that you're now the new girls basketball coach at Missoula little big sky. So, um, I mean, you can't, how, how old are you? You're like 24, 25 years old, right? Yeah.
2: 25.
0: So this, this is a, uh, great position for someone of your age. So tell us how this kind of all played out. I know you've been, um, coaching the last couple of years for, for the Lady Grizz and obviously, uh, changing of the guard with the Lady Grizz basketball program. So I uh, may a new chapter for you. So how did this kind of fall on your lap?
2: Yeah, um, you know, with the change of leadership at the university, uh, I just wanted to continue and stay in coaching. Um, I I love Missoula, I love the community and um I just knew that this was gonna be home for my fiance and I, Jesse, for a while. So we started to kinda talk about what, what the next steps looked like and I, you know, the position at Big Sky opened up and I think that they're is a great community there. And I just really enjoyed, um, getting to know Sabrina Bede, um, and the rest of the people there. And that really kind of hooked me into thinking this was a good opportunity for me.
0: We have to say, you, you mentioned Jesse, Jesse Sims. She's in that, and you have since gotten engaged since the last time I saw you. So congratulations. Thank you. That's very cool. Uh, how's Jesse doing? He's, I, I know a lot of people around here have always followed uh, his great career for the university of Montana as well. And uh, he's helping out with, out, out at Failers' place now, right?
2: Yeah. He's helping cool. coach out at Failers and, um, doing a lot more hunting. And fishing, then he got to do <laughs> hey, <doing> football. <laughs> I'm sure he's
0: loving that. Yeah. That's the best part about when it's it sad when your college career ends, but uh, when you actually get to have a little bit of a life and actually go fish, that's pretty. That's pretty good. So I uh, give him our best. Uh, we always loved having Jesse around here on the show. I will. Um, what is do you think is going to be the biggest challenge of taking over a, a high school program? I mean, do you have c- sort of a plan and a vision for what you want this program to become at Missoula Big Sky?
2: Yeah. Um, I think that there's challenges in any any program. Um, I think, you know, just looking at Missoula Big Sky right now, I think that there's been some change and turnover in the leadership the last couple of years. Um, and that can be hard to... Is- uh, create a standard and set um, accountability and um, expectations but with that moving forward I think that's just kind of the goal is to create a high standard and and have high expectations of the the athletes there, um, both on and off the floor I think that that's my vision um, for big sky girls basketball but um, so much more than just on the court success uh, I really want to watch them grow as as young women.
0: The Missoula Big Sky, Big Sky is my alma mater, and Missoula Big Sky has great uh, girls basketball tradition. I mean, in the in the eighties, they had tremendous teams. They won a couple state championships in the late nineteen eighties, and then under Marty Liebenkuth, they were always very competitive. And they also obviously had their peak run when the Tickle Sisters were playing, and won a couple more state championships. I think I think actually, Big Sky has the second or third most championships in the history of Class AA. So they have good tradition, uh, but they've been struggling the last couple of years. So is there a way to sort of revive that, to sort of use some of the things from the past? I know I, mean, I know, it's, it's kind of hard to tap into that, but... People have wanted a high level at big Sky before. So is there a way to sort of uh, bring that back around?
2: Yeah, I think there's a great alumni base there at Big Sky, obviously that created some success, just the the athletes that were playing during that time. Um, so you know, reaching out to them, hopefully they can uh, maybe jump on board to kind of bring that spirit that we might need. Um, but also just, you know, recognizing that tradition, um, is such a valuable thing in a program. I think that was something I loved about the Lady Grizz. Uh, but it, you have to continue to show up each day. That, that tradition's history, and there's a future that we wanna build.
0: What are you most excited for about this position?
2: Gosh, there's a lot of things. Um, I love coaching. I love the competitive atmosphere. I think that there is a lot of talent uh, coming in and at Big Sky that we can uh, grab hold. And again, like setting a higher expectation and I am a competitor, so I want to win championships, but uh, there's a process and how to get there. And so I think just doing things the right way and setting um setting our our foundation first is going to be the biggest goal
0: what do you think of open enrollment because that's something that exists in Missoula that doesn't exist in a lot of places in Montana and it's been something that's been controversial <laughs> and something that people have sort of taken advantage of in certain ways too so um, I, I know that it's it it is what it is but it, it seems like it's something a, a challenge that that high school coaches in Missoula have to navigate a little bit more
2: oh totally growing up in Billings when I got here um, and started playing at University of Montana, I thought that was the craziest thing. The craziest, right. Yeah, I just was so in awe because I couldn't have imagined even like having to consider West or Skyview. I just was a senior and sure. I just knew that.
0: And you probably knew you were going to go to senior since you were a little kid, right? And right. So you just thought I was going to be a future Brock, right? Exactly. Yeah.
2: And so I, I guess like just that thought process um, for an eighth grader to be kind of thinking almost about their future in that way, um, similar to college, obviously there's a lot more to that, but um, I think that's a little bit different for me. I, I don't know that that's necessarily what I like about it. Um but there's also great options and you know at the at the end of the day it is what it is like you said so just got to make the best of it
0: Two new basketball coaches now in the city of Missoula on the girls' side, which is interesting because Karen Dean's an institution. I mean, she's been the coach of Missoula Sentinel since I was in high school, so mm-hmm. she's been doing this forever and ever, so um, what do you think of that element? That, that must be sort of fun to know that there's going to be two new faces uh, in the AA scene just in, in one of the cities.
2: Yeah, no, and she's an incredible coach, so I'm really excited for her to take on Sentinel, and um, I'm excited to coach against a good friend of mine, Brady Henthorne. Um, it, it's just going to be a fun atmosphere to be in Missoula. I... Uh, Heard from quite a few just Montana high school coaches just in the last week and just the community that's around it. I I think that's something special about Montana basketball.
0: For sure. Jace Anderson joining us here on Nuwana's Now. Former Lady Grizz basketball player, now the new head coach at Missoula Big Sky. When did you first know that you wanted to get into coaching? Because, I mean, you basically graduated from the University of Montana and, and joined staff right away. So you, you must have known, at least while you were playing in college, that you wanted to be a coach. But when did this first start becoming sort of a, a career aspiration of yours?
2: Well, my dad was a college basketball coach at Rocky Mountain College. For a long time, right? For, yeah, yeah. So... Um, Obviously, just growing up, doing camps with my dad, um, both my parents played collegiate basketball, so that was kind of always in the back of my mind, Um, but actually, I think what reinforced maybe why I want to be where I'm at now was uh, this last season, working with Mike Petrino, Jordan Sullivan, Nate Coville, incredible people um, in it for the right reasons, Uh, I have to give a, a special shout out to those people because they've really instilled a lot of belief in me. And so I'm excited because that, you know, you, you go into life wanting to figure out your career. And when you find a passion, it's pretty special.
0: Coach Petrino will probably be a great resource for you too, just since he actually has more experience coaching at the high school level than he even does at the college level. He's a great high school coach Mm -hmm. in Oregon for more than a decade. I was actually talking to Mike earlier today. Um, and I think he's going to come by the show here in the next couple of weeks and, and we'll catch up with all good things, uh, with coach Petrino. But, uh, you probably lean on him a little bit just in terms of, you know, trying to craft just the ins and outs of what a program is like, right?
2: Yeah, no, he uh, is awesome. He knows when to kind of keep me more lighthearted. I can be a little bit uh, fiery. Um, but then at the same time, like, he's just been a-, a close friend, a great mentor. He pushed me as a player. Uh, I just really appreciate him.
0: So you mentioned this this last year being a full time assistant for the Lady Grizz. What was the biggest difference from when you were uh, not a full time assistant, just working as a grad assistant, to, to then becoming a full time assistant?
2: Wow, uh, crazy question because there's like the backstory of it being COVID, you know? Right, so, totally. Um, but no, it was uh, it was challenging. There was lots that is thrown at you, but um, I love that challenge. I think that's like the one of the best parts about it is it, it never slows down. Um, and again, just working in a, a great team environment, just in, including our staff, uh, felt felt awesome. I felt like it grew, grew a lot.
0: Jace Anderson joining us. It's our Coach's Corner here on is Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana TV. going to go the uh, Missoula Paddleheads here in about, oh, 50 minutes. First pitch, 6.05 from Morgan Park, Allegiance Field. So I have that coverage here on ESPN Missoula all evening as well. Th- this last year, I think that college basketball was the sport that maybe well, you don't you don't wanna you don't wanna overplay it, but both men's and women's basketball players at the collegiate level were had to operate at a completely different we all had to change our lives a little bit, but the men's and women's basketball players—it was a totally different deal. I mean, the NCAA—they knew they had to have the tournaments because they knew they had to have the revenue. And if you don't have the revenue from the NCAA tournaments, then all of a sudden you don't have championships for soccer or volleyball. They won't be able to pay for anything. College sports would have been gone basically, uh, as we know it, if we wouldn't have gotten there. But still, it was—it um, it was a long winter to be sure. Yeah. And I mean, I—I—I—I—I I, 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 I haven't seen—I you know, haven't seen Coach Takure live and in person in more than a year. I used to go to his office every week, you know, and, and I have run into Coach Petrino a couple of times, but it was just a totally bizarre year. So from your perspective though, I mean, this must've been uh, quite the challenge to try to navigate a group of young ladies when you can't really do anything together.
2: Right. Uh, and big shout out to them because they just worked, uh, they were just so committed to making it possible for us to have a season. And uh, that was impressive to me at that age to just be so mature about that. But I think that, also when you go through tough times like that or maybe just like those obstacles and challenges it does bring a group together differently and and so going through a pandemic with a, a lot of great people there's so many great memories within that year that um, yes it was difficult but there's so much to celebrate and um, yeah Kylie shout out to Kylie Froelich because she made that she's got a sense of humor that helped everyone
0: <laughs> you always gotta have somebody that's gonna keep it light to be sure last season um Uh, a very interesting one from the actual competitive standpoint for the Lady Grizz as well. Coming into the year, uh, a lot of roster spots to fill. You guys had to to fill them in in an unorthodox way. International players for the first time in in Lady Grizz history. Junior college players for the, I mean, maybe there was one or two from the past, but it's always been sort of the standard program of recruiting high school girls from around the region and then building it up. And so you guys had to sort of go outside that mold purely out of necessity. So just tell us about that part. I mean, coming into the year, it must have been pretty stressful trying to put a roster together and make sure you have a t- uh, you can field a team.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it, you need players to play games. Um, right. So that was obviously something when we uh, took on uh, that role back in the spring, we were just like, we got to get going on this. Um, and that was fun. It was fun recruiting people outside of this, uh, the United States, JUCO players, um, just opening up the recruitment of the Lady Grizz. I think that there's uh, a, a specialness to the uh, international player, special to JUCO. They're, that's a different story. They bring something different to your team, so that was great to watch our team kind of bring them in and um, uh, just see the difference that Lady Grace hasn't really had much of.
0: What was your favorite part about this last season? Because we can obviously dwell on all of the the, the horrific nature of COVID, but uh, this was uh, probably uh, there was probably some rewarding parts of this as well.
2: Uh, I don't think I can pick a favorite, um, but I can give you one of my one of my favorites. Um, I grew up watching Jordan Sullivan play right. a lot, and um, then I was coached by her. And if anyone knows Jordan Sullivan, she's the most fiery competitor. Oh yeah passionate person um and i admire that a ton about her and then getting to work with that person who's been you know just a role model mentor coach that was really cool um and i i saw a sassy side to (laughs) her
0: that's awesome it was so so remind me of this were any of the girls on the current roster this last season did you play with any of them
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, god. Several of,
0: several of them, right? Almost half. Yeah.
2: It, no, probably half. So, was half.
0: that an interesting experience going from sort of like the older girl of the group and then all of a sudden now you're on the coaching staff?
2: Yeah. I asked Carmen G. Felder that on the road one time while we were driving. I was just like... It like is it hard for you? Or, like be honest with me. And she was like, well, not really. I felt like you kind of bossed us around when you're <laughs> <laughs> when you're a senior, anyways. So I, I, mean, I don't think so. And and she has. There is some truth to that. I mean, I, I felt like I was a little bit older too than a lot of the sure. team I played with. So um, yes, there's obviously that that transition is different. But I I think that there was a great relationship with all my teammates to be able to make the transition well.
0: Obviously tough uh, with the the circumstances with the fact that when uh, Shannon Schwinn's contract was not renewed, they basically gave Mike Petrino the job for a year and said it's easy to be an interim status and then we're going to open this up for a national search. I know all you guys wanted to stay and everybody wanted to be uh, on that staff, but... What do you think now of sort of this new chapter for the Lady Grizz? Brian Holsinger in place, and uh, it seems like you guys are all landing on your feet, too, which is a good thing, and this is a great opportunity for you now to be the Missoula Big Sky coach, but what do you think of just sort of uh, this next chapter of the of the Lady Grizz moving forward here?
2: Uh, so excited. I just, um, I have to say that when you're an alumni, you just have a different feeling about a place. For sure. Um, so my heart is always with that program, and I'm really excited to watch them be successful. I'm just I think Brian made an incredible first decision by keeping Jordan on, um, and I'm just looking forward to watching uh, what Brian's leadership does for the program and just watching them continue to build on the the success of last year.
0: Jace Anderson joining us. She's the new Missoula Big Sky girls basketball coach, talking all things hoops here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Uh, one One of the pieces of news of the day, uh, was Danny Barsh being named Montana uh, Gatorade Player of the Year for women's basketball? So you probably had a, a, a hand in recruiting Danny Barsh. So give people just a, sort of a preview of what the Lady Grizz are getting because I mean she's a she's a great athlete with a lot of upside.
2: Yes, upside is a great great thing to start with Danny um, because I just think she's hit the surface of where she can be at. Um, she's. Got a, a great frame, physical. Um, has great touch around the rim. I think that uh, she's really developing her versatility to be um, a shooter from the outside and consistent rebounder, consistent defender. Um, so and an athlete, great so, athlete. Yeah. yeah. So that's where you know you see that, and you you want to get those players in the state of Montana. And then uh, she's goofy, and she comes from a really competitive family. So that's that's always a plus when you get a good person.
0: The transition from. Uh, she was such a great volleyball player, too. And that's actually your backstory as well, right? You actually came to the University of Montana to play volleyball initially before joining the women's basketball team. How much do you think playing volleyball at a high level helps? Because it seems like there's there's pretty good crossover.
2: Yeah, uh, it's just different. I, I like think that volleyball has a different atmosphere to it. But so much of it is transferable in terms of like f- like footwork and just little things like that, aggressiveness, sure. um, they're so different in skill sets, but uh, I just love the energy of volleyball, and the, the one thing that volleyball doesn't have that basketball is way better is just physicality, sure. you get to be physical, so.
0: <laughs> No doubt, no doubt, Jace Anderson joining us here in studio, last question for you then as we circle back around to now your new position as the Missoula Big Sky Girls, Coach, what's what's the summer like? Are you gonna have some camps, or so what's what's the? Uh- the next couple of months look like as you, as you sort of make this program into your own?
2: Yeah, so with the news last week, um, kind of really getting rolling into looking at the schedule right away. Um, so we're going to do a couple team camps here in the state of Montana, just uh, looking, trying to get going on that as fast as possible. And then also have our own um, Big Sky Girls Basketball Camp uh, June 21st through the 24th. Um, so that will be great to just see all the the young girls in the community that want to come to Big Sky and and get better, and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the month of June.
0: Stay tuned for that. We'll, uh, anything that uh, they put out as announcements, we'll put it on our social media as well, and if you have young ladies that want to participate in those camps, we'll certainly show you how. Jace, thanks so much for swinging by. This has been fun.
2: Yeah, it has been. Thank you, Colter.
0: New on is Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana television. I'm exiting the studio, so if you're listening on uh, or watching on TV, I'm not going to be in this chair for the rest of the show, but you'll see me on SWX here in a minute because I'm heading down to Ogren Park Allegiance Field on the color commentary for the Missoula Paddleheads this evening, but up next, Don Wetzel. He is the grandson of Blackie Wetzel who the great Blackfeet Chief for the former Washington Redskins and now the Washington football team's logo was once rendered after. We did this interview a little less than a year ago, but I think it's a fun one and an important one, so we're going to replay that for you. So keep it right here, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally.
1: This is Nuwanis Now
3: on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
1: Well, we're very happy now to be joined by uh, a couple of guests here on the show. Don Wetzel Sr., who uh, played for the University of Montana Grizzly men's basketball team in the late 60s and early 70s out of Cutbank, Montana, one of the great, great basketball players for the Montana Grizzlies, and Ryan Wetzel as well, his son, who is a friend of the show, I think I could say, Ryan, at this point. We're happy to have you back on as well, but a lot of stuff to cover here. Uh, this is, uh, we're, we're excited to have you here on the roundtable because this is an exciting uh, a story. I know it's a difficult story at times, but also a story that for folks who don't really understand everything that has gone into the the Washington football team's logo and icon that they have used, uh, you know, most recently and has been part of not just the Blackfeet Nation, but your family specifically, uh, uh, Ryan and Don, we wanted to delve into that stuff and also talk about you know, the, the playing basketball back in the 60s and the 70s in the state of Montana and coming from Cutbank to Missoula and what that was like, Don, so we wanted to cover all that stuff, but we appreciate you being here. How are you both? We're doing great, yes.
4: Ryan. We appreciate you uh having us come on. Uh you know, just thankful to to be able to have an opportunity to kind of let Dad share his insight on everything and you know, me here to just kind of ride along and, and also share a little bit on my end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well let's let's start with the basketball stuff. Uh, obviously a tremendous basketball-playing family, and Ryan, you're you know a great player over the years as well. But Don, you. Uh you were outstanding in your time as a player, both at Cut Bank, a state champion there, and then also uh, with the Montana Grizzlies, four years uh, spent uh, at the University of Montana. I believe it was 68-71, to 71, something in there, if I've got my numbers about right, as well as being the, your senior. You're the MVP of the team. What was it like for you at that time? How did you get the basketball bug? What was it that that, that game got into you? Because you were good at a lot of sports, Don. Well, you know, I, I um I think being um
3: I, I was raised on uh, the uh Blackfeet Reservation, a place they call Seville Flats. And um pretty desolate country. And we had three buildings there and growing up um I built a uh, gym in a little greenery I had and um, started shooting a, a little ball into a, um, I believe it was a commodity tomato, U.S. commodity tomato can that <laughs> 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 I cut out. And I had a little, <laughs> a little ball and I I'd, I'd spend seven, eight hours a day out there, and pretty soon, uh, you know, I would I would uh, use everything. Uh, we we as a family and, you know, go up to the old chicken coop. My mom provided me with those little um, goofy balls, and she'd make me throw the ball off the chicken coop, and I had this glove, and I'd have to try and chase that thing down. Now, that's. That's pretty cool when you're about six years old. And so every part of the um, the the homestead, we even built a baseball field and friends from Cupbank would all come out and play whiffle ball at the old ranch. And um, so I I had a lighting um, especially for basketball because I would spend hours in that gym, and I knew every one of my favorite players was um, Wilt Chamberlain. Just because of his jump hook and his floater, who I stole from Wilt Chamberlain. But I knew them all out there, and I'd keep score, and then I'd figure out a game. Uh, I'd play my left hand against my right hand, taking about two hours, so... You know, I, I grew up um, with uh, really not much to do, but finding a lot of stuff to do, and and the ball was a big part of that. I guess. Yeah,
0: that's good. Don, yeah. I, I find I find the connection between uh, Native American culture, particularly in the state of Montana and the sport of basketball to be fascinating. I remember when I first moved to Montana back in 1993, one of the first Sports Illustrateds I ever got was the iconic Sports Illustrated that had Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson on the cover for the Dream Team, but it had an article in that Sports Illustrated called Shadows of a Nation by Gary Smith, one of the great sports stories, in my opinion, ever written. It was all about Basketball yeah. on the Indian Reservations in Montana. I think you actually might have even been mentioned in the story, but the primary character, Jonathan Takes Enemy, But he t- I mean, they talked about yeah. Elvis Old Bull and, and a lot of the the legendary uh, Indian basketball players in the state of Montana. Why is that? What, what do you think the connection is between uh, the, the culture that you grew up in on the reservation and the sport of basketball? Well, you know, um, the
3: sport of, you know, if you go, if you look back in history, like the Mayans, and you go back a long way, 25,000 years, and, and the Mayans had a game where they actually had a hoop and had a ball and shot it in that hoop. And so the ball and the Indian traditions uh have been together for a long time and and e naismith invented the game of basketball of course but if you read his history his his favorite sport was uh, lacrosse and he wanted to find a, an indoor game i guess to to play and he loved the ball and the hoop and he read all that Indian history on how the Indians did use that in, in, a, in a lot of our traditions, so it's been there.
1: Don Wetzel joining us along with his son Ryan here on the ESPN Roundtable, and uh, Don, a great, great basketball player both at the high school level at Cutbank and then for the Montana Grizzlies uh, as well. And I wanted I heard this. Now, you tell me if this is true, Don. You broke into the gym in Bank. You had to actually do B&E <laughs> to get in there so that you could go play basketball and work out, like maybe when it was cold out and stuff? Is this true? Yeah, but the best part is um, I'd have
3: to go to... We had train tracks about, I'd say, a mile from my house before we got to the main highway. And those trains had to stop there at an old granary. And every now and then, I could hook one of them in the cut bank. And come <laughs> flying off like a crazy man as I crossed that bridge. But no, you know what? It, it Yeah, I did break in the gyms. <laughs> and uh, they couldn't keep me out, you know? <laughs> The cops would come and run my ass out of there but then I go break in the big gym and, and the thing is, um, there's a couple times that I I slept this is crazy, man. I did sleep in the gym a few times and so I could get up, start firing that ball, see. But yeah, I did that. And at the University of Montana my floor I had some wild athletes on my floor, and if it got too out of hand, I would actually go sleep in the old Dahlberg gym uh,
1: locker room. Well, I'll tell you what, it's It's remarkable, and for for what you became as a basketball player, maybe it's no surprise, the dedication that you had and the love. I mean, at this point, it's nothing you have to say. It's not just dedication. It's not motivation. It is love for the game of basketball that you had uh, that would, would push you to go work as hard as you did and just stay on it the way you did. Get, tell us quickly what what do you remember about your time at the University of Montana? What was it like playing for the Grizzlies at that time? Uh you know for you and obviously a very successful and unbelievable career that you had at Montana.
3: Well, um you know I think uh, you know I hurt my knee in 19 uh, when we we were heading in the last conference game and I popped my knee and it was a bad knee injury. So I went to the U and um, played on a freshman team. And, and well, I shouldn't have been playing. I, I might have been red shooter at that, that time because after every practice and every other game, I'd have to get my knee aspirated. And that Dr. Curry, at you, you know, he'd just be waiting for me and pull that stuff out of my knee, and I just kept going, which I probably should have took some time off, uh, but I I didn't. So I played hard for them, and, and one of the things that um, was very... Um, I talked to an old friend of mine who played on the team. It was the fact that, you know, we all signed on to play for Ron Nord, Ron Nord had great attitude and smart man. Then he quits. Uh, So we went through three head coaches in my four years there. And God, I went from shooting guard to to point guard. I'm going to give you an incident that happened that I think you guys got to know. We had an awful good team when I was a sophomore. Uh, I was playing opposite a guard by the name of Harold Ross. And Harold Ross was from Seattle and was one of the best players I ever played with. And we go down to Utah. He outguns old Mike Newland, you know, 38 to 39 points, some damn thing like that. And I broke my nose and... Cause I tried to guard that monster, that Newlandman. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, we had a guy by the name of Henry Saunders, a black kid. He goes downtown. uh over Christmas, I believe. We had to practice. And he gets caught. I don't know how to say this. The but... <laughs> shoplifting. Yeah. And so he said he didn't do it blah, 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 the whole thing goes, and all of a sudden, we lose uh, Harold Ross, I think, uh, Willie, Chet, Willie, I can't remember, but we lost four damn good players who walked off that team, and Harold Ross was one of them, and, and you don't hear much of that, that protest, mm-hmm. and I think we had a shot at Weaver State that year, and uh, after that happened, it collapsed because Ross was the guy keeping us going. He could find me. I never had a guy find me open like that. So that, that was devastating, man, and uh, a lot of the kids quit, but there was... She, we stuck on. I think O. Ray Howard was playing with me, but we didn't win that many games. But boy, um, that crew that ended the seniors all had to heart, man. I mean, because it was a rough goal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. No doubt. Well, we, we appreciate the memory, and it's good to. Have stories that we haven't heard before that we're not familiar with and understand some of what took place at that time. We appreciate that, Don.
0: Ryan, yeah, I want to yeah. ask you about uh, so hearing some of these old school stories because I think one of the uh, the great parts of of native culture in general is just the way that the stories are passed down. and anybody right. that follows ba- native basketball in montana they they know the stories of all the legends that came before them and all the guys that are contemporaries now. But when you were growing up, you know, w- with the prestige your dad had, but also just how many great basketball players there have been from the reservations in Montana, how did that influence you? And what sort of um, way did that help pave a path for, for your basketball, uh, your life in basketball?
4: Well, it was pretty easy. I'd, I'd, I was surrounded by a bunch of great athletes, you know, my my siblings, my dad, my uncles, you know, my grandfather, you know, a lot of people don't know my great-uncle's uh, Hall of Famer at the University of Western, Jess Wetzel, and, you know, he's he's one of those kind of guys you you don't hear too much on, but, you know, it's just another one of those guys, part of that legacy, and, you know, and then just for me coming up, my dad would always be coaching, so we'd have guys, you know, I knew Chris Boya, Kurt Walker, you know, all these UM legends back when they were in middle school because um, they were the same age as my older brother, Donnie Jr., so... You know, these guys were staying at our house all summer long going to tournaments and stuff when I'm, you know, five, six, seven years old. And then, you know, with guys coming on the scene like J.R. Camel, he was just one of those guys in my kind of generation where how athletic he was, how quick he got to the rim, uh, coming straight from the res, uh, he just popped up and here he went and you know that was one of my guys kind of where i was like holy crap this guy's got the game you know he knows he knows how to play and so it was just it was just all part of that accumulation of things and then just constantly being around just standout players from the state of montana and the reservations i mean i could go on and on we've seen some of the uh, best basketball teams in the
0: state even still now uh, teams with, with uh, a bunch of Native American guys or, or even teams from reservations. I mean, Harden was a mini dynasty in Class A last couple of years. But Browning's been really good. Grass has been really good. R. Lee obviously had their phenomenal run, playing in three straight state championships, winning back-to-back. Do you feel like the legends of the past still resonate with kids of today?
4: Oh, absolutely! Without a doubt, you go into any of these gyms throughout the reservations. You mentioned certain names, and people will get it right away. Even the surrounding communities to these reservations. Um, you know, it was always fun to see. You know, when a harden would roll into town back in my day at Billings Central, they'd be playing. You know, Billings West, and half the gym was crows from Crow Country. And you know, you just watch out. You know, Class A school come into these Double A powerhouses. With you know, nothing but res ball, run and gun, and, and it was just highlight after highlight. And you would hear people echoing, oh, no, man, it looked like, you know, George Yellow Eyes or, of course, Elvis Old Bull. You got David Bell up from Fort Belknap, um, Richard Dion from Poplar, Montana, won two uh, world titles with the CBA, uh, Yakima Sun Kings. You know, you got these kids that get to look up to these kind of guys and and. The culture of basketball in the Reservation is is about as strong as it gets, you know, with this Harden team and and Lodgegrass teams and Browning and, you know, Rocky Boy and Box Elder. I mean, you could just go on and on how, how many wonderful basketball programs are out there right now in Montana Reservation.
1: Ryan Wetzel and Don Wetzel Sr. joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. And we've talked a lot of basketball guys, but there's uh, uh, another topic of conversation here that we need to get to, and that is... Uh, what has gone on recently here with the the now Washington football team and the icon that they have had uh, for years now which is n- not just uh, uh, an icon from or a logo from the Blackfeet Indian tribe but actually from your family or your, your uh, paternal lineage uh, Ryan and Don and Don I know that this has been something that has been uh, near and dear to your heart that this has been something uh, that that has been a source, I think, of great pride and also of 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 consternation at times as well. And for us on the outside, we don't really know all the insight of what's going on and how things have you know progressed both with the you know the logo in the first place, how it came to be, and now with its removal and what that has what that has been. And you guys know this firsthand, so tell us tell us about this story and 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 how this logo came to be part of the NFL in the in the, uh, the Washington franchise guys
4: okay i'm gonna let ryan hit that yeah no and you know the story's already been kind of reiterated out there and told and in various dynamics but the important thing is to know is the the prestige and the level of of knowledge and and gratitude of of my grandpa walter Blackie wetzel the guy is a real deal he was he was so charming charismatic. And he just had a, a vision. He was a visionary. And, you know, back in that time, a lot of people didn't know, you know, American Indians as citizens were really, uh, they weren't um, um, considered even right. in that time. And it was a challenge for, for, for Indian people to be recognized. And for Grandpa, you know, his whole push was to help Indian country. Uh, he was a bridge builder. Non-Native and Native all had nothing but wonderful things to say about him. And for him to step in the scene and do what he did politically, climbing the ladder so quick, becoming friends with Robert Kennedy. Uh, We're talking friends with John F. Kennedy, our president. Uh, we got pictures hanging in our houses of him and hanging out with Lyndon Johnson. Um, But, you know, even going farther back, he was a three-sport standout at the University of Montana. You know, grew up right there in Browning, Montana, tough life, but to climb the ladder and be where he's at to finding this, this profile of this Indian and going in and and saying to the Redskins organization, this is what I'd like you to put on that helmet instead of this R. If you could put this on here, this profile of of a warrior, you know, that is what I would like to see done if you're representing my people. And he did it, and that that right there, and that story for our family has been so cherished, so loved, and, and appreciated. Nothing to do really with the name part of it, but more so the logo. And that's where the conflict always would happen: is you'd hear Wetzel name logo, and then the name would get tossed into the mix with that Redskins name, and it was never our our deal on that end. It was just the logo. Blackie was a good, humble, powerful man, and um, and he didn't have a single enemy. You know, I wanted to state that you know, he didn't care what color. What I mean, I guys, I ran into um, John Lewis had just passed away, the activist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my cousin and I were coming back from DC, and John Lewis was walking with his security guards to the to the airport to the terminal, and, and I go, geez, and I look at my cousin, I say, look, that's John Lewis, man, and we go over there, we start shooting the breeze with him, and I mentioned Grandpa's name, I said, "Did you ever hear of a Walter Blackie Wetzel? Because Grandpa told the story of when he was in D.C. over the Million Man March, and Martin Luther King met with him and said, you Native Americans need to come with us in March, and, and Grandpa said it wasn't, it wasn't his time to lead his people, and And so I mentioned that story to John Lewis, and John Lewis, when I said, you know Blackie Watson explained who he was? He looked at me, and goes, I remember him. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. Hmm. (laughs) So that's the kind of guy he was.
1: Yeah, that's
4: amazing. He, he, my
3: dad, um, that logo has been on there 40 some years, 48 I think somebody said. But you know the Redskin name goes back about 150 years, and you know it goes through. It goes through the town of Boston. It goes. Uh, somebody said one of the Redskins uh, people had told me that. Well, you know, uh, Jim Thorpe, uh, Samson Bird, who happens to be my cousin, who played for Carlisle. That Jim Thorpe was involved in, well, all that's BS, you know. I mean, so that Redskin name goes way back, and um, the logo is is just forty two years old, and that and that puts us kind of in it. I don't think that the Redskin name bothered my father because I I saw an old junior high photo of a uh, I won't say the town but it was way back in 50-something that the name of them were the Redskins. And um, so I don't think he... Blackie just went, went... He wanted that logo basically to unite the Red Nation, to unite Indian people with the circle. Everything's involved in it.
1: You know, when when this story first... Broken. we know that there's been talk and and even pressure put on for daniel St- snyder to change the name to change the logo perhaps over the years and he's never really done it then all of a sudden you know the winds of change or whatever you're in all of a sudden in in like you know a week all of a sudden it's just gone and it's all taken down and Coulter and i when that, that first happened had this very you know this this duplicitous i guess kind of conversation where when you take a look at the name you can certainly understand why or where that would be something that you, you maybe want to or should change, but then also that the the logo and the image that was used always felt so very respectable and so, uh, you know, as as a great icon and, and an homage to, uh, you know, to the Blackfeet, but also to Native Americans in general nationwide. Is that how you see that, or how do you feel about that in general in terms of the way that this progressed in the last, you know, month
4: you know, I think it's really important to emphasize that, you know, we had, you know, our whole support for Grandpa was 100% just of what he accomplished. The name thing, we can we can understand that to a degree. Um, but the important thing, too, is, you know, we, we wish there was a little bit more consideration of involving the heads of Walter Blackie Wetzel, the head of his estate, his family members, Myself and my dad and some other members, you know, just being even just informed, hey, you know, if, if we would have heard something, if there was something along the lines of, hey, this is what's coming down the pipeline, we we are so thankful for what, you know, your grandfather did for the Indian people, for the Redskins organization, you know, just any type of, you know, involvement on that end would have been really appreciated. But the way that it was handled and how quick it went, it was, it was kind of heartbreaking because, you know, they're still the living children of this man who have accomplished great things and, and had inspiration because of their dad. And, and to have it just go and boom, it's gone and see you later and, and no kind of regard on that end. It was, it's been a little bit hard.
1: You and know. so, and Don, I mean, so nobody from the franchise or from the organization ever reached out to you or anybody else in your family about this during this process.
3: Well, I'll tell I'll tell you something about those Redskins. Um, I uh, I wasn't doing very well, and I went back in 2014, and and I saw some things, and uh, me and my son Christian spotted them. Uh, the next time we went out, I sent Ryan, but no, they, look, man, you got this guy, and all of a sudden, he's sitting there, and he says, hey, that's my logo on there, that's that's my chief, is what he said, and hey, look, they're using it, and so all that transpires, in. Uh, you got to hear my Uncle Earl's oral review on that because it's really good, Dr. Earl Barlow, but we'll get into that. But then then within two weeks, he received, um, I believe, three, four helmets mm-hmm. and um, a garbage can that was yellow that had the R on it. That was the old R that Lombardi put on there. So they haven't even sent anybody to his funeral. Finally, I wrote them when my brother Mike died. I said, you sons of bitches, it, it could bring this trinkets trinkin and beads, bullshit. you know, sending us this, these helmets and all that. Bullshit. And I says, when Mike died, I said, don't send us another helmet. If I see one of them, I'm going to fire it right back to you. So
4: that that's kind of where it's at, you know. There's, there's that upset of just not really concluding in the right way. It's just no. you know, taken and, and then used and then just kind of thrown away after all these years with no kind of
1: regard for, for my dad. His it, it, it sort of it. feels like take a number, right? Like, okay, we got the thing we needed. Here's <laughs> a here's a helmet. Have a nice day, you know, And but no actual yeah. consideration about what, you know, what this means to the group of people who brought it to them. Yeah,
3: and the thing is, yeah. real quick, is, you know, Blackie was a boarding school kid, and their stories, you know, he didn't go to boarding school Five, as one of my relatives have said. He lived with relatives at the boarding school, Cup Bank Boarding School. But Blackie has got a heck of a story for somebody like Clint Eastwood to grab onto. And I'll tell you why. The boarding school system was set to take the Indian out of the Indians and make us white. And they just farmers and all that So here's old Blackie. They put him in boarding school. He's 12 years old. And he's at Haskell uh, Educational Facility in Lawrence, Kansas. And he escapes from there, gets a freight train, and another buddy, and ride that freight all the way to Laurel, Montana and home. Blackie was 12 years old. Wow. That's just some character right there. Some drive.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. That is amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It is really amazing. And the way he climbs through getting the National Congress of American Indians presidency is an unbelievable read for any judge... Any politician, any of these highfalutin junior Trump guys, read how that guy got that presidency,
0: right, Right. Yeah. Well, I understand the dynamic uh, between your family and, and the, um, it seems to me, disrespect that they've showed you guys or maybe just lack of engagement whatsoever. Uh, but just from a broad perspective, I mean, to me, what has gone on recently uh, is the culmination of a bunch of events that are both, I think, uh, positive for the United States of America, but also not as well. You know the the Redskins yeah. name itself has been controversial for decades. And uh, I think yeah. that the logo itself has been, on one hand, a great homage uh, to your culture, but on the other hand, uh, something that's been debated widely as well. But to me, the only reason that the ownership of the Washington Redskins changed a thing was because of money and because of the climate that we're currently living in and i think the climate that's pushing for change is good but the obsession with money is is horrendous and i think that that's a very sad truth in terms of the the changes that they made so i mean w- you guys want to be honored you as a family, no question. But what do you think of just the removal of the logo and the changing of the name in general?
4: You know, again, I think that change is, is good. It's inevitable, um, you know, from, from my perspective. I kind of saw this coming. I didn't see it as quick. But, again, you know, things change. You move on. Um, from that aspect, it is It is what it is. Um, but for, for the family and the relatable sense of that logo,